0: incoming transmission what do i gain if humanly speaking i fought with the beasts at ephesus if the dead are not raised let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die radical christian what's up radical christian gang how's it going We have something very special this week. This is one of the first times in maybe three weeks or more where it's just you and I. We're not doing any interviews. We're not doing anything like that. So I'm excited. I've been looking forward to just a one-on-one episode and it's gonna be great. Things are going good. I got some heavy stuff for you today. It's gonna be a two-parter and it's gonna be about principalities and powers exposed. Now Ephesians 5.11 tells us to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them. So that's what we're gonna do, expose them. And since it is God's will for these entities to be exposed, let's get started. So I'm gonna give you the episode layout for both episodes. So in this first part, we're gonna cover four sections. We are going to cover the origin of these beings, who they are, their ranks, and then we're gonna go over some examples in the Bible dealing with them. And those examples are Baal, Apollo, and Artemis. So episode one's layout is their origin, who they are, their ranks, examples of Baal, Apollo, and Artemis. Now part two next week is going to be the dark hierarchy, their authority, the battle plan, and examples, which are Michael versus the Prince of Persia. So I'm going to give you some nice structure for the episodes we're going to be doing. I'm hoping this is this will make this will uh, facilitate the learning process a lot more. Now for our paid content this week. We're going to be going over some gems from this old thing. Look at that. That is a crisp book right here. The Warrior Priest Mindset. The Warrior Priest Mindset. You always got to smell the book to see if it's going to be a good one. You don't judge a book by by its cover, but you do judge it by its smell. Oh, it smells like revelation upon revelation. Look at this. The wonderful Jeffrey Martis did this cover. Now, I'm going to be reading in our paid content passages from this book and giving commentary on it, and we're going to be going over it. So... That's going to be a good time. Now, let's dive right into our episode. I'm excited. I haven't been with just you guys in a long time. Father, please guide our discussion and bless everyone listening and remove error from this broadcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get started. So as you all know, there is a structure to the kingdom of darkness where where fallen angels, evil spirits, and demons are all ranked together. And it's just like a human military. And, and they're ranked according to their power and their authority. So our main verse... That this is all from is Ephesians 6:12, and that says, "For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places." And sometimes that's also translated as heavenly places. In addition to Ephesians 6:12, here are some more scriptures that deal with the same word as principalities, which is the, which is one of the groups we're looking at. So Romans 8:38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in that verse, we see principalities, powers, both listed. Oh, and I got these new Gucci sunglasses for $300. And by Gucci sunglasses for $300, I mean $1 glasses from the Dollar Tree but they're new and my wife bought them for me so they might as well be gucci now our next verse is ephesians 3:10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of god again principalities powers heavenly places now colossians 1:16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones dominions principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him now this is a good verse to show you that God created all these things but I'm jumping the gun because we're about to get we're about to get into origin now Colossians 2:15 says and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it now that's where he embarrassed the principalities and powers so now all the beings listed in Ephesians 612 with the exception of possibly one group the very last group, are fallen angels and not demons. Okay, remember demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. They are the offspring of the fallen angels. But the beings in Ephesians 6.12 are the heavy hitters. They rank higher than demons. They have a higher level of authority than demons. And they are much more powerful. So let's get into their origin. And now we're going to look at Colossians 1.16 again. So for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Okay. So we see thrones, dominions, principalities and powers. We're going to be focusing on principalities and powers, but thrones and dominions. When you think of a throne, that's the rule. That's the seat of rule for Kings. When you think of dominion, that's the ruling over an area, your dominion, just like uh God gave Adam dominion over all the animals and then Satan stole it. So, All of the the angels were initially given their position and authority by God. Okay, these are his sons, and they have free will, and they have relationships with him. And he gave them power and authority to use as, as he would, as his imagers. Now, however, when Satan rebelled against God, some of these angelic rulers rebelled with him. And then they started to use their authority and power against the gospel of Christ to oppress all the nations of the world, everybody who followed Yahweh, everybody who was on his team to oppress them and to use them maliciously for their own gain now the watchers that rebelled in Genesis 6 by taking human wives we all know this and creating the Nephilim giants they were imprisoned in everlasting chains until the day of judgment so that's Jude 1 6 we're gonna look at that and the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day so at the end of the days this group will be released onto the earthly realm for a time possibly in human flesh that's another discussion so These beings that fell in Genesis 6, the 200 group of Watchers, those are imprisoned. Now, that's not to say that any that came after and did the same thing, if there were others that took human wives, were imprisoned. But this initial group, they were imprisoned. Okay? So that's where they're they're at. But there are many other fallen entities that are still released upon the world. Now, when they're released upon our realm, they end up ultimately getting defeated. Now, we're going to look at Revelation 12.9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So this is a future tense thing that's gonna happen. Now he will be cast into the earth. So he's the, again, I'm gonna jump the gun a little bit. He's, Satan is the prince in power of the air. So he's in the atmosphere ruling over us, He's over this realm. He's gonna be cast to earth, into our confinement. Now one interesting revelation I saw from a brother whose who's, uh, ministry I follow, he pointed out something great right here it says the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and Satan okay what was Satan Lucifer some people think they're different beings but for I believe they're the same person at least it's where I stand now so the fallen cherub he was a fallen cherub what did cherubim have four heads okay so an ox a man an eagle and a lion right here shows his four-part nature: the dragon, the serpent, the devil, and Satan. Okay, so each of these animals represented something. So do these names. The dragon represents his monstrous kind of nature. The serpent his his cunning, deceiving kind of nature. The devil his his uh, evil, just pure evil nature. And then the Satan his his uh, accusing of the brethren nature. Now that's just an interesting tidbit to throw out there. But it is interesting how he's given four names in Revelation 12:9. But Take that for, for what you will. That's just a bonus thrown in there. So now while these particular angels were locked up and no longer pose a threat to us, the ones that were locked up, like I said, there's still many others who are ruling as principalities or princes. We will use those terms interchangeably in the kingdom of darkness. And they're pressing us to this very day. So this is just refresher course stuff for you right now. Deuteronomy 32, eight. Uh, we see Yahweh divorce the nations who would rather serve the pagan gods than himself. And that verse is. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Okay, so he divided up all the people after the Tower of Babel incident. They all did what they did, building that tower, trying to set themselves up as gods, trying to go their own way. He's like, you know what, you want to go your own way, go your own way. Boom, I'll put my sons over you. He wanted them to still rule justly, even if they weren't ruling the best. I assume he still wanted them to rule justly. You know that God lets bad people still live a lot of times. They still have their free will. He would still want them to live good, but they chose not to. And then we see our other verse, Psalms 82, 6 through 7, which we all know. Once Once they showed that they could not handle ruling over humans, this group, he said, I said, you are God, sons of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Now, this kind of lines, lines up with Revelation 12, 9, them being cast to earth. That's why I said they, they might be put into human flesh because it says they'll die like men. Now, it could mean they will die like men die or they will die like men die and men die ceasing of the flesh. But that that, that point isn't really the focus. The main focus is that we're seeing where these groups go and where they are. So now, it's important to know that no government in ancient times or modern times is without corruption unless it is Yahweh at the head. So, our, our government, a different country's government, there's always corruption. There's always something, because there's always fallen humanity ruling. Plus, not just that, you have these these beings behind the humans influencing them. And that's some of these, these beings' jobs, which we'll get into. Some other instances in the Bible relating to this were when uh, Mount Sinai, during the book of Exodus, where... God said, you know, bring, Moses, go bring the people up here. I will be their God, and I'll, I will I will sir, I will lead them. And the people were too scared; they wouldn't go up on the mountain because it was thundering and quaking, and and uh, there was all there was all these rules in the beginning where Moses said, hey, God said you can't touch the mountain, you can't let an animal walk onto it. Anybody that goes by it will die until God's ready. Now they were just scared, and they're just like, no, 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 you go up there. We'll listen to you. We don't want to deal with him. So, boom, they are humanity already has a track record of not following Yahweh, but following these other, you know evil entities so another time we see this is the in the book of samuel when uh it was around the time of saul when all these people oh give us a king like the other nations and then he's like fine, you don't want me to you don't want me to be your king yahweh again he's like i'll give you a king that you would have asked for he gave him a handsome tall suspiciously tall like nephilim tall powerful you know good-looking king to rule over them who followed yahweh for a time but then went his own way just like humans do this lays the groundwork that there is entities ruling over us, whether it's Yahweh or his sons, you choose who you pledge yourself to. And from biblical history, people have mostly pledged themselves to his, his evil sons. That sums up section one, their origin. Their origin, they were made by God, by Jesus. We saw a little bit of their, their history, but these are the beings we are talking about, the sons of God who he made, who are fallen. So to sum up their origin, these are the created by God, sons of God, who are fallen in nature? So now we're going to move on to who they are slash what they are. So number one, they are non-human entities. They're spirits. They are not human beings in the physical. They're not physical beings. They are spiritual beings. So they interact with people. They they use humans, but they are not humans. Okay, they, they are beings with a mind, a will, and emotion. They have free will. They have their own. Emo- they their own people how you would think we are there like that i remember i used to think of angels as these stoic just silent warriors ready to do god's bidding they're not all like that which is crazy because you think the closer you are to god the more you'll you'll have revelation and you'll learn like wow like he's the one true god but you know what people have free will people rebel that's just i mean the nature of of giving someone free will they have they have the choice to choose evil So now these beings also have supernatural and superhuman powers and abilities. So supernatural, our natural realm, their abilities are outside of it. Our human capabilities, their abilities are outside of it. That's why the Nephilim were able to become kings among men, because no one else could stand up to them. That's why they had their their reign of terror for however many years until the flood came, because they were half angelic. Now this also ties into, you know, the whole... Modern-day super soldier thing. It's the it's, and then during Hitler's days, trying to to re-breed the Godmen. They are trying to find this superhuman strength to weaponize and use to rule and control. That's a big theme of 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 our of humanity, really. Now these beings plot and work against Yahweh, against each other at times, against humans for sure. They deceive and they seduce whoever they work with. They they try to deceive and seduce. That's their M.O. Their modus operandi. And and they also seem to have a different sense of time, or or are uh, either they can see a little bit into the future, or they or they know just they, they they seem to have a different concept of time, and we'll we'll see some more of that later. But they their their minds and their understandings are way beyond ours. Okay, now they're they're very active and living beings. Nowhere do we hear about them needing rest, needing to sleep, needing to eat, needing to drink. Okay, eating, drinking, sleeping, those are biological functions. So these beings don't don't need to serve a fleshly body. So not only are they non-human entities, but they are also spirits. And before we go further, uh, this week's episode, t- uh, the, some of the source material is a little bit of Michael Lake's Sharif Imperative and a little bit of Russ Dizdar's Expelling Darkness book. So that's the source material. You can go look at those those books, Sharith Imperative, Explain Darkness. Um, that mixed with some other stuff, but those are two sources that you can go check out. So number two, they're spirits. They're spirits with a bodily form, but they can also morph into whatever they need to to deceive and seduce. Whatever whatever they need to take on. When they, when they show up on Earth, they show up looking like men. We also see Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. That word is metaschismatizo, and that that means to change in fashion or appearance. To change the outward appearance, uh, to transfigure, to adapt. That's the ability to transform. So these things can transform and take on an appearance they wish to have. Now, Satan is even called a spirit in Ephesians 2, when he's called the prince and power of the air. So they have a supernatural ability to mask themselves for deception. So they also seem to be able to appear at will to whoever they want to interact with. They seem to know where to go. They seem to know who is a believer and who isn't. And they seem to be able to send Plumbada, um, fiery darts, uh, involuntary thoughts and feelings to human beings. So like a voice into somebody's mind, just some sort of influence. They seem to have some sort of... When you think of like the lore of vampires, like like influence over somebody, um, it's kind of like that. So... They seem to have this 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 influence. That's why when angels show up, they're so majestic. They have such power that they show up and they, the first things they say, they usually repeat it twice, is fear not. So to be clear, a spirit does not mean a ghost, how we think of ghosts. Spirits are just unseen, non-physical beings. Elohim. Number three, they are ancient. Now they were here before the fall of humanity and before the creation of the earth. And for that, we're going to look at Job 38, 4-7, through which says... God is speaking to Job. Job was getting a little saucy with God, saying, "Oh, I've done nothing wrong. I've done nothing wrong. Why are you running down on me so hard?" And then God's basically like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Mere human, don't get so don't don't get so saucy with me." And He says, "Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measures? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? That's like a measuring line, a measuring tape. On what were its bases sunk? And who laid the cornerstone? You know what I just thought of right now. I'm sorry to interrupt this verse, but..." This is all carpentry and and, and uh, masonry, but not in the bad sense, but, and then Jesus was a carpenter. So it, it's very fitting that God is speaking of of carpentry type things. And then his, his son himself in human form came as a carpenter. So who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So he's talking about creating the earth and he's saying, where were you when I was creating the earth and all my sons were back behind me shouting for joy as I was doing this. This shows that these beings are before Earth. They predate Earth. So they've seen the entirety of human history. If you think you can outsmart one, you are sorely mistaken. Now, even, even with their ongoing battle with God, there's no evidence of them growing tired, dying, getting old, giving up, anything like that. All you see is that they will have, uh, a bunch of them will have a punishment in the future, but you don't see them kind of wearing out. So God is eternal. He is without a beginning. These beings are immortal. Okay, they 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 will not naturally die. The only way they will die is if God kills them. So number four, they are a united, well-working team, but they have some infighting. So just like squabbling brothers, they, they they have infighting. They have free will. They're, they're, there's there's going to be infighting. That's why when all the in all the pagan literatures, you see fighting between the gods. But when it comes to their mission against God, they are united. Gary Wayne described it. Uh, described uh, a lot of the secret, secret societies as being directionally united, as in they're pushing forward with their goals, but they fight along the way. But but their main overarching goal is to push forward, to you know pull down Christianity. But these beings are a well-functioning team. When we interviewed Brian Melvin, he said that when he saw into, into the spirit realm and some of these things, they work together. They were like a military. Now, they have the same nature, the same evil nature, and they have the same boss. Who is that boss? We're going to get into it a little bit later. But they work collectively and globally for the same purpose. They have a worldwide network, and they want to subdue the entire globe, Uh, globalism. So they, they want to have full control over all things. And if you wonder, like, oh, do they think they're going to win? From where I'm at in my understanding, I think these beings want to trip up God and and I think uh, Gary Wayne mentioned this. Basically, they want to stumble God or make Him go against His word, so then then His punishment on them becomes void. Something to that effect. Now, that's not for sure, but that this is this is when we try to hypothesize and put together why would they be doing this? And then God also lets people believe their own lies after a while. If they kind of like He hardened Pharaoh's heart, He lets them kind of do their own thing if they, if they if that's the road they want to go. We see in Revelations twelve that the devil and his angels are working together to fight and the mystery of lawlessness in Thessalonians 2.2 2, called, it's called the Mysterion this plays a role in it too so the Mysterion is a mystery or secret doctrine now 2 Thessalonians 2.7 says for the mystery of iniquity doth already work only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way so that's the restrainer so the mystery the Mysterion Russ Dizdar calls the Mysterion the collective of fallen angels and demons who engage fallen humanity to to link these willing humans into the satanic agenda. The agenda against Yahweh. Now this can also be seen as the uh, Michael Lake calls it the iniquity force and we're going to get into more of that uh, in a little bit too. But basically this is like the their, their collective force. So Russ Cesar says to think in terms of a global linked population with ranks, assignments, placings and o- it's almost like their grid work to, to counterfeit the uh, omnipresence of God and now number five they are evil these beings are evil they're not They're. you see the origins of evil um, in Ezekiel 28 when wickedness and iniquity was found in Lucifer now we believe this is the origins of evil who knows what went on before that but biblically speaking this looks like it's the origin now demons and fallen angels are radically evil they're liars cheaters haters deceivers tempters killers tormentors harassers, manipulators, murderers, and more. So the better you know that, the better you can stay away from them, You know, the better you can identify what they're doing to stay away from it, the better that, that you can walk in victory and experience the, the victory of Christ when you go out and, and do spiritual warfare, when you go out and battle and do evangelism for, for the souls of, of the lost. Now Satan owns the lost. He operates in them whether they, they want it or not. Now we're gonna look at John 8, 44. The devil and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So when you are not in line with, with Yahweh and how we are intended to live, you are working for their kingdom by default, whether you want to or not. Now, what's crazy is Satan and his team blind the eyes of non-believers. So not only are they non-believers, but he's actively blinding them from discovering the, the truth of God. So, so they have no kindness in them, no truth in them, no love, no sympathy, no nothing like that. When the, when you're connected from Yahweh, you drift further and further away from that stuff. Now, and, and that is their choice. This is their free will choice to be evil, to oppose Yahweh. Now, number six they are ranked. There's diverse ranks with different powers, abilities, and positions. You have principalities, rulers, powers, evil forces, watchers, prince, throne, all this stuff, and that's what we're going to get into next. So, section three: their ranks, and we're going to go from bottom to top. Okay, this first one is not from Ephesians six; it is from First Timothy four one. It is a bonus one. I'm going to give you a bonus. You can pay me back later. But these are the seducing spirits, the planos. Now, we see them in 1 Timothy 4.1. It says, Now, the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall def- depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils. Didache daimonoia. Now, planos are seducing spirits who are imposters, And these the, an example would be the spirits behind the New Age movement and just any, any sort of evil doctrine maybe even Gnosticism. These are the spirits seducing people away from God, replacing God with something else, replacing God, replacing Jesus with Gnostic Jesus. So it's similar, but not the same. Now they deceive and they guide people to write more didache demonoid, more doctrines of demons and inspired writings. Harry Potter was written through automatic writing. Now that now, now the Holy Spirit doesn't overpower somebody to write the Bible. It doesn't just take over them and they write it. Okay. They're still humans writing. Now, Automatic writings when somebody writes through the human they're basically using the human's physicality in this world So you have a spirit who's not physical using this physical being to do their work and write controlling them Now here's something very interesting. We see the the good counterpart of this lying spirits Which I it's like good lying spirits. What we see this in first Kings 22 21 through 23 now This is one of the main source texts for the divine council worldview Now, this is where they're having a divine council meeting about what to do about King Ahab, who's ruling unjustly. Um, We've been into that several episodes on this show, but it's good to keep going over the same material. So you can kind of get really familiar with that spot in the Bible and then move on from there and branch around there and kind of build a deeper understanding. Now, this says, when then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord. So this is in heaven. This is a good spirit. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, by what means? And he said, I will go out and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. So God sanctioned this. God said, yes, go out and do it. So he says, hey, God, I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And God said, yes, go do this. So we continue. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. So they're in the divine council meeting. The spirit suggests it. God approves it and it was God who decreed it. So they acted out his will, but he decreed it. He said, this is how we're going to do it. Your plan. I accept it. Go out and be a lying spirit. The Lord has declared this disaster for Ahab. Now that's a lying spirit. I would think that is a good version of a planos. So remember when these beings are good, they have their ranks, they have their authority, they have what they are. When they defect, it's assumed that they have the same authority, power and rank They just transfer kingdoms. So if I was this amazing, crazy bowman for Yahweh's army, and then I defect, now I'm a crazy bowman for Satan. Not me personally. I'm not a crazy bowman for Satan. So that is seducing spirits, planos. Okay, now we are going to go into our Ephesians 6.12 list of spirits. The first one is spiritual forces in heavenly places. Now, Michael Lake believes this spiritual forces in in heavenly places to be The iniquity force he calls it the evil force in general okay that's his view now the other view and the more widely accepted view I want to give you both is that this this is a group of demons this is possibly the only one in there that, that has demons or possibly fallen angels but from from the research I've done so far it looks like it's the group of demons who who are the ones that you deal with more than anything else they they make up the bigger majority these would be the the, the disembodied spirits of nephilim they, the evil vile wicked and demonic spirits who possess people and animals so now they're called pneumaticos and poneria so spiritual forces pneumaticos poneria now pneumaticos is relating to the human spirit the rational soul the part of man which is a, which is akin to God and serves as an instrument or organ belonging to a spirit a being higher than man, but inferior to God, the spirit of God uh, pertaining to a wind or breath, windy or exposed to wind or blowing. So these are all the different definitions for it. But within that definition, there's spiritual connotations. Now, poneria means depravity, iniquity, and like malicious purposes and desires. Now, that's why you can see that Michael Lake considers this from his research to be the iniquity force, he calls it. So high places, when it talks about spiritual wickedness in high places, that is the Greek word iporanios which refers to the dwelling place of God, as well as the abode of angels and spirits. So this is the second heaven, or it could even be the third heaven. Maybe most likely this is the second heaven. This is the spiritual realm that you think of. Okay. This is where the Satan, the the immediate atmosphere over our, our realm, basically. So vine's dictionary says, Eporonios is also translated as heavenly places. It refers to the sphere of activity or existence that is above in contrast to that of the earth. So yeah, so it's, it's the second heaven. It's here's our realm. That's this realm, in the third heaven which would be the heavenly realm so most of the commentaries say that spiritual wickedness describes demons devils or evil spirits now like i said these, these are the spirits that possess humans and animals they're lesser minions they're lesser in power just like nephilim are lesser in power than fallen angels but they are still more powerful than a human without god's authority so god gives you the golden ticket he gives you the authority that says hey here's some of me you could take with you here's my clearance my authority, you can use this to do the things that I can do in your realm. Now, without that, humanity is weak and frail. So, th- while these demons, these, these demonic evil spirits are the weakest of the group, the grunts, in the hierarchy, they are the grunts, the footmen, if you will, they are still more powerful than a human without God's authority. Now, these are the ones that cause diseases, mental problems, fear, anxiety, all that kind of stuff. We see, And we see Jesus casting these out of people in the in the gospels now he even allowed the spirits uh he even allowed legion that group of demons to go into the herd of swine that ran off the cliff in mark 5 1 through 13 that shows that they can go into animals they can possess okay so i do believe demon possession is a real thing where the person loses control of their faculties and it's given over to a spirit a demonic spirit who speaks through them talks through them their face changes their their voice changes their mannerisms because it is the spirit working through their body. They have superhuman strength because it's the spirit who's, who's spiritually doing stuff through their body. The rules of the, of the physical realm don't apply to that that being. But I do not believe a Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christian can be possessed. They could be oppressed, okay? They could be influenced with the fiery darts, the plumbata of the enemy, the, the, the unwanted emotions sent our way. But, but I don't believe we could be possessed. So keep that in mind. But we're going to read Mark 5, 1 through 13, because this gives a lot of what we're talking about. So they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Okay, so this is a man with an unclean spirit. That means the unclean spirit was was either possessing him or influencing him. So he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles into pieces. Okay, so they cuffed him with metal. I could break these cuffs. They could not bind him. Now, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? He has superhuman strength. That's why it's interesting. When you see people who take drugs, mind-altering drugs, psychedelics, they can also do that. Now, if you try to do that without drugs or demonic influence you can't but something about this psychedelic drug what i think it does is it puts part of you into this the second heaven the spiritual realm it opens you up into that realm and you access some of that strength and do those kind of crazy things okay that's just that's my that's many people's belief but that's my belief as well but with demonic influence remember They are spiritual beings, the rules of physicality, I do not think apply to them the same way. That's why they could take this human form and do miraculous things with it, because it's just there's something, they're on a higher level of power. Now let's continue. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the mountains, he was always crying and cutting himself with stones. Another thing, self-mutilation. What do these demons do? They want to kill you, ultimately. They will use you as much as they can, they are disembodied spirits. They seek to have a body. You think of the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Pirates Curse. He just the, the the pirate who who's cursed. He just wants to eat an apple. He can't eat it. Every time he goes to bite it, it's tasteless. It doesn't do anything to him. That's kind of like a good metaphor I use for for these disembodied spirits. They they want to act out physical needs and desires that they had when they were part physical, but they can't. So they seek to be in a body to express their desires, their lust, their their sexual perverseness their cannibalism their all their all that kind of sick stuff they want to act that out still but what they'll also do is just harm people kill people hurt people that they just want to destroy uh enoch six i believe goes into that first enoch six talks about how they just want to torment so let's continue and when he saw jesus from afar he ran down and fell before him and crying out with a loud voice he said what have you to do with me jesus son of the most high god that is a call out to deuteronomy 32 8 that we read earlier calls him the most high that's where that term is used before most high that means they recognized him from the old testament days now i adjure you by god do not torment me for he was saying to him come out of the man you unclean spirit and jesus asked him what is your name and he replied my name is legion for we are many and he begged him earnestly not to send him out into the country now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him saying send us into the pigs let us enter them so he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned themselves in the sea. And drowned in the sea. So that is, that is an example you saw. We, we learned a lot from that verse. There's a lot of things that we saw from that verse that are exactly what we're talking about. And just remember, for believers and non-believers alike, the more you yield your life to sin, the more influence these demons have over your life and your decision-making. Now, if someone who is demonically oppressed gets demons cast out of them, they get delivered of demons, but they do not accept Jesus as their Lord and savior. And the Holy spirit does not come to dwell on that person. These demons come back sevenfold and even stronger. Okay. So that's why you don't just deliver. You don't just pray for demons, leave people and oh, everything's fine. If they continue in their patterns or if they don't have something to replace that void, then it's just going to happen again. Now let's look at Matthew 12, 43 through, through 45. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Now see, this demon is seeking rest. There's nowhere where we read about angels or fallen angels seeking rest. Right here, there is something about a demon seeking rest, and I think that has to do with its physicality that it once had. Or they're just in in ever like as part of their punishment. They're in unrest, unrest all the time. But we don't see that when it comes to the higher beings. So when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return to my house from whence I came, which is the person's body. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. So that means delivered. Then he goeth, he taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. So that's actually eight spirits. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked gener- generation. So that's exactly what we're talking about. When, if, when you're delivered, your house is swept clean and nothing, the, the spirit of God isn't put there. These demons come back with more. Now, our next being, these are the rulers of darkness, the cosmocrators. Now, Cosmocrator means world ruler. Any influential governing authority over the inhabited world understood in terms of physical control, including both human and preternatural authorities. These are the officers under the powers. Okay, so we'll, we'll get into the hierarchy, but these it is it is safe to say they are under the powers and they take their their commands from them. And these are in control over inhabited parts of the world. So on a smaller scale, so world rulers but not on the same level as we go up we'll see the different ranks and what they do now thayer's lexicon defines them as lord of the world prince of this age and it's derived from cosmos which CosmoCrator cosmos which is the present world order which includes worldly affairs of mankind and kratos which is dominion power ruler so they are quite literally world rulers they rule over the world of humanity now these are the spirits in the skies the heavenly realms that seek to shape the world and move it in a direction, like globalism, like new world order. Now, this could also be explained of, of trying to put their agendas in the schools, maybe the rulers over the secret societies. So these are the rulers of darkness, the cosmocrators Now, they take their orders from our next group, the powers, ex- Exousias. Now, Exousia is one who possesses authority, influence, or resource to command, control, or govern. Now, these are a rank higher so while you have the rulers of darkness spread out on a smaller scale over different areas then you have the powers over them which are over much larger areas so they're over groups of uh when you see the the watchers descend on mount hermon there were 200 watchers and they were set up in groups there, were, there was uh Shemyaza and azazel which were the rulers over the groups now these powers have authority in areas people and they and they function and stuff like uh, one one source said they function in like anger, lust, suicide, other acts of the flesh. Now, Resdizdar says that these could be the ones that are over that have the authority over the drug trade, human trafficking, and sp- specific areas too. So remember, rulers of darkness are are a smaller scale. Powers are a, a little bit bigger, and these are the lesser officers. So you have the lesser officers, then the then the the group under them, the the rulers. And then the grunts down here are the infantrymen, which are the demons. Now, the group that is that are the head honchos over all, over regions, are the principalities, the archons. So, like I said, these rule over regions. And then, like, you think of the, the Prince of Persia, the Persian Empire, was a vast region. Then when you think of one little part, one little country, that would be a power. Then when you think of the, all the different little sub like cities and all that that that's rulers of darkness now keep in mind this is from what we can tell from the outside you take this somewhat with a grain of salt do your research but this is all us trying to see through a a glass dimly as it were so keep that in mind now archon the greek word uses rk which is beginning origin um the beginning of all things it always signifies primacy whether in time beginning principum power rank dominion so this is like the head arcade and archons are like the it means it means head top premier and these are the most ancient and possibly the most powerful of the immortals so these are the big head honcho fallen angels not the lesser powerful ones these are the big boys now this is summed up as the chief or ruler it could archon can mean chief or ruler now these are the generals okay so generals officers lesser officers whatever rank is under that and then grunts now these rule over others they rule they can rule over other demons humans other fallen angels uh rust says these are these are possibly the ones that are like the great white brotherhood or the the entities that are the the heads of the new age stuff the heads of these groups maybe like the 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 ones who are going to pose as aliens you know which people a lot of people think will happen those ones these are the, the big boys okay so, like I said they rule over tribes and even nations and in Daniel we see the prince of Persia Persia was a huge empire it was the prince now now when we think of principalities a principality is an area okay so they're they're princes they're called princes a lot of times in the biblical text but they're in their area is called a principality I use them interchangeably you can use them interchangeably but but a principality is a region and the prince over that area is the the, the beings that we're talking about so now who's the prince over Israel michael who's the prince over persia some other being i don't know if it's satan or lucifer but it's another being now who was the prince or princess over ephesus diana for a time now some scholars say that these were the fallen angels that that are cast out with that will be cast out with lucifer his his group now now their objective would be to give commands to the powers to oversee everything um, they hate m- mankind just as Lucifer. They're working to wreak havoc and destroy humanity, uh, destroy the plans of Yahweh. and like second Corinthians 4 three through four says, they want to keep as many as they can away from the truth and accepting Christ as Lord. And by doing that, they weaken his, they, they seek to weaken his influence over creation. Now they they just like in a the military, they plot, they strategize, they position troops in a particular area. Now, these beings, all of these beings, except for the demons, you do not engage directly. You do not pray against fallen angels. You don't do that because you will get wrecked. Okay, demons, you, you, you there's a protocol with that. But you do rebuke demons. You do do that thing. Now, if God specifically calls you to deal with the principality, that's when you would because he would be doing it through you. But you don't go around like, oh, let's bring down the principality over over california it's like dude you don't have the authority and if you stepped into that realm you open yourself up to them you you actually give them the authority to mess with you so you become you you show up on their radar which is not good now the top of the ladder the commander in chief the president the king the god of this world satan lucifer the divine rebel now let's look at second corinthians 4 3 through 4 but if our gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the the image of God, should shine into them. So this says the God of this world, the small g God of this world. So he is the prince over the world, this planet. He is ruling over that. Then you have the ones under him, the princes ruling over regions. Then you have the powers ruling over sub-regions. Then you have the Rulers of darkness ruling over cities, areas, and stuff like that. Then you have the spiritual wickedness just poof, spread out everywhere. So Satan, Lucifer—I I believe they're the same being. Some people do not, but you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the divine rebel, the main one who is who is seen most as the divine rebel. Now he's on the earth trying to deceive and destroy as many as he can, and everything he does is try to counterfeit the true God. So he sets himself up as the the main one in command over everything. He accepts that role. He wants that role. Now, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober and vigilant because your adversary the devil is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. So he wants to kill. And like we said, he's also called the prince and power of the air. Ephesians 2.2 says, Where in times past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So like I said, the word prince is translated as archon, and it refers to ruler, commander, chief, leader, this is verifying Satan as the prince as the prince over this world. The direct atmosphere over us is his kingdom for now. Now he has control over all these beings. This is what is this is what we can kind of infer. He has control over them to impress uh, to oppress and torment man. Now Jesus references his authority and his control over the earth in John 12 31. He says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. So he's saying he's the prince of this world. He verified him as the prince of this world. Then John 14, 30. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. So Jesus calls him the prince of this world. He, he, he gives a nod to that. He acknowledges, yes, he is the prince of this world. So now is our last section. We are going to get into Baal, Elijah, and Jezebel in our first example. So Baal would be the prince over the region during 1 Kings. So we're gonna look at first Kings nineteen one through three. And Ahab told Jezebel that Elijah all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. So what could so what could cause Elijah to flee in terror? He just took on a principality. On the mountain, he took on Baal. Yahweh was with him, Yahweh wanted him to. He took on Baal, the prince over the region. And as we know, he defeated him. Yahweh defeated him through Elijah. He embarrassed him, he he defeated the storm god with storms and and lightning and thunder from heaven. He lit his altar which was soaked in water and Baal could not get his altar to light. So that was an example of Baal being the prince over a region And Yahweh displacing him, and now the way these things work. Actually, we're getting into that next week. But basically, however much they're worshipped, that's how much influence they have over a region. Now Elijah did that. Elijah took on this being, and then he fled for his life because he was afraid of Jezebel, saying like, "Hey, call me crazy, but I'll kill you by tomorrow for what you've done." Now he took his eyes off the Lord. But he was doing a heavy thing. He took, he took on a principality. So this is what he was running afraid from because he, he, he realized like, oh, no. And uh, Brian Gadawa says he also could have had the fear of man. But I wanted to give you that part of it. We've already talked about the Mount Carmel incident a lot. But I wanted to give you the part of him fleeing in terror. Now, Elijah had already been protected by the Lord in 1 Kings 17. And because Yahweh allowed him to take on this principality, he will protect him. He would have protected him and, and had his hand over him. This is, the, this is the Lord who created those beings, okay? Our next example is Paul versus Apollo. Now, we see Paul lowering the influence of Apollo by rebuking the Pythia priestess, the oracle of Delphi. These were the snake priestesses. They served in the, in the, the temple, the, the oracle at Delphi, and they this was for Apollo. Now, this is Acts 16, 16 through 19, and it says, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her master such profit by fortune telling? So the influence over that region, you could see it by the by the the profiting from fortune telling. This is this is stuff involving that principality, involving Apollo. So this, which would make Apollo stronger in that area. So this girl followed Paul and, and cried out, saying, "These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation," and she did so for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, "Remember," he didn't say this, but this is what I'm saying. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. And Paul just showed it. He didn't turn around and talk to the girl. Turn around and talk to the spirit. So it says, Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So he lowered their influence and it's her her divination stopped working because the influence was taken away. Now let's look at Paul versus Artemis, which is Apollo's sister. Acts nineteen, twenty-three through 27 About that time there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines to Artemis, so again, their influence, he was making idols for Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together, along with the workers in related trades, and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business, And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made of human hands are no gods at all. There is danger, not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. So Artemis at this time was the princess, but really prince because they're all genderless, but they're all described as male. They're so progressive. So this was the, the Prince of Asia. So those are our examples. We made it through an episode. It's good to be back. Why this matters. Let's get into why this matters. Okay. This matters because we are called to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. We're exposing their ranks. We're exposing biblical examples of their ranks. We're exposing their infrastructure. Now, the next reason why this matters is because it exposes the infrastructure between how, behind how the world is run. It makes us more knowledgeable, and we can do more about it. Now, this also further details the reality of the unseen realm. This further strengthens the existence of the unseen realm. And lastly, whatever gets you excited about the Bible is awesome. Whatever fires you up to read it, go read it. And I'll talk about this next week, but... We'll, Whatever gets you pumped up to go read the Bible, go zone in on that. Even if it's something that there's not a lot of research on or that, that you only think it's cool for whatever reason, but but it, it doesn't matter. Just go go research it and get excited because that's going to lead to many other things. You may be, God may have put it on your heart to be excited about that. So go, go search it out. So for our paid content, we're going to get into our passage from my book, The Warrior Priest Mindset. And the passage is called Time for War. So we're going to read that, discuss that. And thank you guys for showing up once again. It's been a blast. And I pray you all have a great week. Can't wait to see you next week. Stay rad. All right, guys. Thank you for being a part of the paid content. We're going to read a part from my book called A Time for War that starts on page 15. Here we go. It goes without saying that in these last days, there has been a full-blown attack on biblical manhood and biblical femininity. Transgenderism, drag queen pr- predators teaching children in libraries, homosexuality on parade, third trimester and partial birth abortions are all part of everyday life. Mark my words, up next we will see the normalization of an acceptance of pedophilia and cannibalism, which is disgusting and sad. We truly live in a barbaric time once again. The enemy has not only assaulted our castle, but is now desecrating our great hall, as we sit and watch these foul knaves trample underfoot all that is holy. God does not overlook these things, and he is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He knows the perfect time for the counterattack. It grieves my heart to think of what God feels as he looks at our nation. Our nation is a dwelling place for demons, and it's high time for God's chosen class of elite warriors to rise up from the wastes and join the war raging around them. You have been summoned to the battlefield, and whether you want to fight or not, you are still enlisted. Every warrior has a role to play and an impact to make, and if you shrink away from your duty, then you are not worthy of the reward. This does not mean that your works earn your salvation, but rather your works are expected but rather works are expected from every true believer as a sign of their faith. James 2, 18-20 But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Many people will depend on you in this life, and you are not to let them down by lying idle on the sidelines while the battle rages on around you. Even your king joins the fray, and fights alongside you so what is your excuse you have none he will empower you in this war and teach you how to fight he clears your path with his left hand while holding you up with his right the odds are in your favor fellow warrior psalms 18 34 36 he teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken in my arms thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy right hand hath holden me up and thy gentleness has made me great thou hast large in my steps under me that my feet did not slip If the war hasn't affected those in your camp yet, then you are either blind or about to have your world rocked. Either way, you need to be prepared spiritually more than anything else. You could store up all the food you want, but if you aren't hearing from the Most High, then you might as well hand over your goods to the brigands or highwaymen that come to loot and kill the ones you love. There is a time for peace and a time for war, and I believe for the sect of God's warrior priests, it is a time for war. War on sin, war on the flesh, war on all all the evil that threatens our women and children seeking to hurt us, all like cattle into their pens like cattle for the slaughter as solomon explains in ecclesiastes 3 8 there is a time to love and a time to hate a time for peace and a time or a time for war and a time for peace practice makes perfect and you can't expect god to let you chop off the head of a nephilim warrior if you can't even control your temper there will be a time where you are capable of amazing feats by the power of God but in order to get there you first have to start where you are you must conquer the smaller battle before you can win the war you need to de- develop the muscle memory for war which comes from winning small battles day, day by day it is through discipline and commitment to your faith that you become stronger in the Lord the, your king will train you and fight train you to fight and even fight with you so long as you are in right standing with him he will lead you to do his will and his good pleasure Luke sixteen ten. he that is Faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in least is also unjust in much. Philippians 2.13 For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The great warrior Caleb, recalling his journey to spy out the promised land, vowed to deliver into his people's hands the land God, let me start over, the great warrior Caleb, recalling his journey to spot the promised land God vowed to deliver into his people's hands, said something inspiring and empowering. He said, I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. Did you get that? He was as strong as at 85 years old as he was at 40. Father God kept him youthful and strong in order to do his work and conquer the promised land. Joshua 14:11. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said. These 45 years since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses, which Israel walked in While Israel walked into the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old, and I am as strong today as I was the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. If you walk the righteous path and diligently seek to know the face of your Father, then you will get to experience God's supernatural hedge of protection around you while you continue in the quest that He has called you to. He will give you the strength and endurance to never surrender. When you see this journey through till the end, you will enter into eternity ready to kneel before the throne and hear those fateful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. So that is what it will be like reading this book. This book is meant to motivate you, to fire you up, to push you closer to the Lord. I mean, this book, this book is packed with verses. This book has fiction in it. Here's some some of the, I formatted it to make it easy to read. So you can see there's sections like that. But yeah, it is a time for war. We are in this war. You see you, it, literally we might be in war with Iran right now. So you see w- where this world is going. It, it's now more important than ever to, to win souls for the kingdom and protect your family. That doesn't mean going out and killing people. It means living out what the Bible says. So I'm, for our paid content for the next however many weeks, I'm going to be going over stuff from this book. Letting you have samples because you are a paid member of the Daily Renegade. And I want to give back to you. And I have nothing better to give than the Bible. And uh, apart from that, I have this book, which is packed with the Bible. So we'll be going over that. That was a taste. Next week, we're going to go over another passage about war. But if you like that, go pick this up. It'll really, really, really... I think it'll be life-changing Not in some big way of like, oh, you're so arrogant. You think your book's going to be life-changing. No, I think God is life-changing and he is all through this book. So just take that and listen to that for this week. Uh, I love you guys. Thanks for being a part of the team. And I'll see you next week. Stay rad.